Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Audacity Academy. I am your host, Sarah Falciani, here with a webcam and a mic. Can we all like be excited about the sound quality here? Because this is way better than the past episodes I've done. I'm very excited. <laughs> yes, raise the roof for improvement of the podcast. I am here today with another guest, of course, Gemma Sandwell. And she is an energy and alignment coach for intuitive entrepreneurs. And she's also a TEDx speaker. Like, wow, what a powerhouse human being to have on the podcast today, sharing with us her story of overcoming people-pleasing and burnout and all the lessons that she's learned about boundaries and how they've benefited her. So Gemma, go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thanks so much, Sarah. And thank you for having me. And I'm um, talking of boundaries. My cat has none. So if anyone hears a meow... <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, so as so I said, I'm Gemma Samuel, I'm an energy alignment coach, and really what has led me on my journey to where I am now is I had a 15-year corporate career in financial services. I had like what was perceived to be like the dream job. I had like the dream career in HR, I had the dream house in the countryside, I had the dream marriage. But inside, I was um, a huge people pleaser. I had lack of boundaries. And unfortunately, that led me into a space of complete burnout where I was floored, literally floored um, by the universe um, with really extreme anxiety. Um, in 2018, I had a complete breakdown. Um, I was working in, um, in London a lot um, with my corporate job. And um, it basically just broke me. And through this like breaking, it was kind of a, and I know lots of people say this, like this breaking is this moment of like cracking open and having a sort of spiritual awakening as part of that. And as part of that process, I realized not only was I um, trying to live my life like an introvert, um, so trying to like, live my life like an extrovert as an introvert, um, but I also discovered I was a highly sensitive person mm -hmm. and that I needed to have boundaries like above and beyond um, more than just an introvert because introversion didn't it made some sense to me, but it didn't make sense like completely where energy was concerned because there, there were some elements where, you know, some things that I could do and feel really energized and other things I would do like working in London where I feel really drained and that kind of pushed me into into burnout so I started to discover this whole world of energy and my background was in science so I've studied psychology and positive psychology and became a mindfulness teacher and taught all of that in corporate mm -hmm. then had this like massive awakening which led me to energy work um, and throughout that time and realizing I, I was HSP I um I did a TEDx, um, I put this application in, even though everyone said, are you completely crazy? Because although I've got this like really sensitive side, I've got this like really like, um, really sort of like fiery, determined side that's always like learning and growing and pushing myself into situations. Um, and I thought, what's, what's the worst that can happen if I put this application in for TEDx? Um, and then completely out of the blue, getting through, making it through to the final 30, and um, realizing that I'd got the slot and that I had to speak on stage. And um, yeah, and that was incredible, like in particular around my my boundaries and it's taught me so much. And I'm still, um, I'm still, that was um, the start of 2019. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still very much today, like 
the, it's sort of like right what did I do in TEDx what did I do to enable myself to get onto that stage still forms very much of a lot of the stuff I do today both personally and with clients as well um so I've really had to I mean you know people pleasing and this lack of boundaries led me to complete breakdown complete burnout where I was like just on the floor and it was like okay you can make this choice now like this is time to like make this choice about living your life for like who you really are and honoring those sensitivities instead of like trying to hide them or push them down and set some really great boundaries to enable myself to flourish so that's kind of led me that's a short version (laughs) of kind of what's led me to where I am today. So you said that you were actually trained in psychology and mindfulness you had these tools and were using them in in corporate so did those tools help prevent burnout at all like how were you applying them to teach other people and yet still struggling with burnout yourself talk a little bit about about that great question Sarah yeah so the missing puzzle piece was the energy piece so I feel like there's no way I could have worked in London every day if I didn't have these tools so I was I was meditating every morning I had um, all of the positive psychology practices in place. So I was boosting my positive emotion and I was I was fueling my positive emotion and using the techniques that I use with others. But because I hadn't considered the energy piece and I was still sort of using these tools, but still doing everything that everyone else did and didn't consider myself as an HSP, that was where I hit burnout. And actually what I, what I needed to do and what I've learned from that experience and from that failing if you like um of reaching rock bottom was actually I needed to use the tools more secondly I needed to set boundaries around them because I wasn't putting myself first and I was you know teaching these tools to others um using them myself but I wasn't really and truly putting myself first because ultimately it came down to and I'm sure you you've like experienced lots of these conversations it came down to worthiness you know I didn't Mm -hmm. feel I was worthy I had all of this information these tools but ultimately I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to actually um you know actually really prioritize myself so it it's really interesting because people will say oh I bought this book or I took this course I have all these tools like I was in therapy myself for over 13 years I have degrees in psychology certified as a coach you know very similar like we know we have an interest in it from an educational standpoint and we feel called to it but it's learning it and teaching other people it is not the same as really and truly like applying it to ourselves first and that's a big thing I've noticed with people pleasers and givers and the highly sensitives and the empaths of the world it's we are condition to put ourselves second and that's where we see compassion fatigue happen with a lot of people in these industries where they have careers they have businesses they're in positions to help because they feel called to help and to give but that's why every coach needs a coach even therapists need therapists like that's why we we say this correct yeah I love that you mentioned compassion fatigue because this is like a huge thing for me at the moment I cannot like emphasize this enough like there's so much out there saying compassion and connection is like number one for well-being but telling an empath and an HSP to have more compassion is like giving an alcoholic a bottle opener we already have so much compassion we're already so compassionate and kind to people and people pleasing and telling you know and this is something I've experienced in my in my community and with my clients um 
oh, I must have more compassion, therefore oh, I'm not doing enough. And this self-sacrifice comes in and it need, you know, it really needs to be um, that like abundantly cut full place first and then being able to go from that to that compassionate place. So yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned compassion fatigue because something I've been banging on about is like, stop saying be more compassionate. We need to turn some of that inwards and be from that place first. And it happened a lot in the pandemic. I, I saw this happen a lot. Like, people rushing out and like volunteering and doing lots of wonderful things but not taking that time to go within and build up that self-esteem and, and worthiness and giving to themselves exactly exactly and people who have mm, the people who benefit from us being people pleasers the takers of the world right they realize very quickly intuitively that asking us to be more compassionate is a, is a way to get to us. It's such a trigger for us because we're constantly going, I'm not giving enough. I'm not compassionate enough. I'm not empathetic enough. I'm like, I have to that because their, their self-worth is tied to their ability to be compassionate, to be empathetic, to help other people. And so when you start to set boundaries and you start to step back and you start to be a little bit more selfish, I'm using air quotes for my listeners on the podcast, people go, but you're being selfish, but you're not being compassionate enough, but you're not being empathetic enough. And it's such a trigger. And it just becomes, it just becomes a vicious cycle of you stepping back and taking a step in the right direction. And then someone says something to you to, to trigger that compassion word, it triggers your brain and you immediately go back into your former habits. Actually just doing TEDx, you know, so I shared like how that has been a huge like experience for me as an introvert and HSP but even like within that situation itself I saw where that could come in so you know I'm, I'm there with all these other incredible speakers who have had the opportunity and have got through to speak on stage and my instant reaction was oh my gosh I must sit there and watch every single one of their talks and be there for them and then this like awareness just dropped in that was like Gemma you can watch these on YouTube anytime you like they're not going to notice if you're there or not. What we need is to be in a really good place to get up on that stage. So it was like, right, what do you need? I literally was like saying to myself, what do you need? Um, and I spent a lot of it in the car park, in the car meditating. That's amazing. <laughs> That's needed, you know, to, uh-huh. that energy to get up on stage. And afterwards I just sobbed. Like I, I got off stage and they, it was like, they didn't know what to do with me. Cause I was just like this sobbing mess of like, oh, I've done it. I've remembered it all. Up, Cause you have to remember <laughs> all the words and um, yeah, you know, I wasn't in, in a state to then sit down and watch like another 10 TED talks, but I did go back on YouTube and watch some of them afterwards. And, you know, sent, said like, my support mm-hmm. but yeah it's so easy isn't it to go into that you know into that mode of oh I must I must do more I must do more what we do and there's like science behind this like some of the kindfulness research and, and Barbara Fredrickson and her research on love has actually shown that when we are in that in that space of like a really we have those really firm boundaries and I think it was Brene Brown that um talks about courage doesn't she and how care is French for heart and actually like having that courage to set that boundary is is a really heart-centered space and you know all the research shows this that when we when we turn that inwards and we develop our own self-love and our worthiness we're then able to like give on this massive scale like it's it's not selfish it's actually more giving and and Mm -hmm. energetically as well you know having a high vibration we can go to these different places and 
we're just healing by being there and people just being in our vibration being in our light so yeah so important giving does not have to be depleting and unfortunately I've seen it so many times not only in my life I, I see it just from what you're sharing with your story lots of clients guests I've had people associate giving with it being a loss somehow, like you're losing something. You're if you give something that 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 means you're you're you don't have it anymore, right? Like that's the understanding of giving. But when we're when we take into account the energetic standpoint and the you know over the idea of overflow energetically, then we can start redefining giving in our brain a little bit as it being more of a sharing, like you're sharing your energy, you're impacting just by being in the space, but you're not necessarily giving your energy away. And that's so conditioned in us, isn't it as well with, you know, role models. I know for me, you know, my mum would say things like, yeah, well, sometimes we just have to do these things. And sometimes sacrifice. We need our help. Yeah. It's that sacrifice, isn't it? A huge, like, um, this is like this random what how things drop in but a huge aha aha moment for this for me was when I went to Glastonbury and I learned about the goddess and actually how like the the worship of the goddess was all about nourishment and fullness and abundance and seasons and um and how like how that has all been taken away with the patriarchy of like you know we must sacrifice and I, I visited a um I visited a, um, an old monastery and, you know, it was like the, the monks can have one piece of bread a day because they sacrifice themselves for God. Go back to the days of the goddess. It was all about like that richness, fullness, abundance of the land and the harvest. And, and it's just like, wow, actually like there is a different, there is a different way. And it's a lot of this is conditioning and hundreds of years of conditioning that we need to like strip away and go back to you know we, the world is you know we are moving towards that space aren't we but um yeah it's like it was such an aha moment for me was to you know to go learn about the goddess and learn about how you know how we used to come from this place of real abundant real abundance within rather than this sacrifice that we're led to believe is is how we should be and it's not who we innately are at our core is it what I see tend to happen is um this pendulum swing and it was only really this weekend that it was like really brought into my awareness where we kind of we do this thing where we either we either like run away and hide from things so mm. I think when we become aware of our boundaries and we become aware of our energy and we become aware that we're all beautifully sensitive and psychic um we can sometimes like run away or hide from the things that we feel are like going to drain us or take us so rather than a boundary it's like a complete rejection so that's kind of one end of the scale we run away and then the other end of the scale is like this pushy energy of like it's okay I'll just push through and you know I've always done it this way and I know I'll burn out but I'll be okay and this weekend I had an example where I was on retreat and I, I I normally do like solo retreats where I take myself away and go somewhere for a weekend in silence um but I'd actually gone to a retreat with other women and it was a swap retreat and I was delivering a workshop it's really lovely experience and um I felt myself sort of oh hang on a moment but we're really sensitive and I don't know how I feel about like sharing this space with so many people after it's you know, mm -hmm. so long and I saw those two reactions in me and I see them in clients all the time that I must run away from this experience or I would have gone into push through, pretend everything's okay on the surface 
deliver my workshop, be there for everybody else, and mm-hmm. leave this retreat and totally crash. Where I found that middle ground was okay. I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety come in. I'm feeling a little bit um, like I, my energy could be drained if I'm not really careful. So what is it that I need? Like self-love. What do I need right now? Exactly. Right now, body. Do mm-hmm. you need a sleep? Do you need some food? Do you need a walk? You know, and I was able to sort of self-regulate myself into that middle space. And I think a lot of us, I think we push or pull. And actually there is that middle ground where we can bring in that self-love, that compassion and almost balance that polarity of, oh my God, I have to hide and reject this thing. Then we're missing that connection. Um, you know, it's hard enough as an introvert and an HSP, you know, to find those right connections um, or go so far the other way, you know, go into people pleasing hustle mode and push, push, push three, which I think a lot of us have done a lot of, you know, a lot of the time. And actually there is that beautiful um, middle ground, sort of that authentic balance space, you know, where you can say, feeling a little bit tired. I, you know, I need a little bit of, of time on my own, or can I talk this through? Or just even just saying to yourself, come on, Gemma, let's just go get a cup of tea, you know? <laughs> Something, um, such a Brit- British thing to say, I know. <laughs> let's go get a cup of tea. <laughs> I have my coffee. <laughs> At what point, you've, you've said that, you've asked that question a couple of times, and I ask it every day to myself. That's how I start my day is asking myself, what do I need? And I've taught my clients that, and it's such a simple question. It's such a simple way to bring awareness back to ourselves and show compassion to ourselves. But I don't think I learned it until, and like you learn it as a tool, right? Either from a therapist or in a psychology program or wherever, or a coaching program, I think is where I learned it, but learning it and then applying it to ourselves, as we've already discussed earlier in the program are two different things. I think I only really learned the impact of asking myself, what do I need within the last year or two? And you've mentioned it a couple of times. At what point did the actual impact of asking yourself, what do I need? When did you learn that? When did you start asking yourself that? It was through mindfulness. Um, So when I did my mindfulness teacher training, so I'd, I'd learned it through mindfulness myself, but I think doing the teacher training and suddenly realizing hang on, like, I really need to deeply ingrain this if I'm going to teach it. Um, and I can remember the exact moment where I got on the train to go to London and I could feel that anxiety and fear coming in. It was like, okay, we're going to London. Remember how busy and stressed we get in London. So all these thoughts coming in. And then it was like, what do I need? I almost like had this, um, this image almost of like this anxiety it was like a little bag that I had with me. And it was like, do you know what? It's going to be there. So let's ask what it needs. So I'm sort of like, hello, anxiety. What do you need? And it was like, I really need just like to be have a slower day. So how about we don't do any work on the train? Because what I used to do is get my laptop out, you know, start working on the train, optimize my day. So let's just take it a little bit slower today. Let's read a book on the train. Let's, you know, let's get a nice warm drink and let's look out the window. And then it was like, I'm saying it, obviously it's me, a part of me. Um, <laughs> just, you know, not this, I'm not, but this random like thing that's appeared. Um, and then it was like, okay, well maybe like, and then I made a deal with it. And it was like, maybe we could leave London a little bit earlier, see if we could get the earlier train home. So we had some sort of negotiations and that was incredibly transformative because rather than pushing that anxiety away or saying, oh, why are you still here? We, we've had enough therapy. Um, 
it was like, okay. The number of times I've asked myself that we've had enough therapy. Why are you still here? <laughs> Why are we still broken? <laughs> um, so, yeah, but when it's transformative, isn't it? When you kind of say, okay, well, less, you know, you're going to come along and say, what is it that you need today? That just transformed that whole experience for me. And, you know, I, I use that. I use it daily. So even today, you know, I normally, um, I drove about an hour today and I'm, I get really overstimulated by driving. So it's like, right, what do I need? Mm-hmm. And um, I needed to sing. So I put some music on in the car. Um, and then I listened to a nice podcast. that's like really calming. Um, and then I had a cup of tea when I got there and I had a little walk in nature as well. So yeah, it's just simple things, but they can be so transformative, can't they? Mm-hmm. I love that you actually were like, I'm calling it an it, but it's me because I feel like I've had clients struggle with this. And I think this was a big um, block for me with actually starting to apply that tool. Uh, The guilt can get to us when we say, what do I need? What do I need that I'm sure you struggle? You're nodding. So I'm sure you've had that little voice in your head going, oh, but I don't, my needs don't matter. I can put my needs aside because something else needs me right now. But if we turn it into an it, or we, we create something mentally for us where we're talking to something else that's not necessarily us, it can be a really good middle ground where we can start using that tool like naming our anxiety, naming our depression, naming our limiting beliefs, naming our fear, and then talking to it. It is that nice middle ground. Did you, have you ever used that with anyone before? Yeah. So it's kind of coming into parts work, isn't it? And um, yeah, I've used that with clients quite a lot. Like, and at the start it was accidental, but when I did my coaching qualification, I realized it was actually part of a creative coaching process where clients would say, there's this part of me that's this, or there's this part of me that's this. And sometimes we'd even have fun with it and say, should we give them names? So we'd, you know, we'd be talking to Pam and Dave, you know, so ask mm-hmm. what they need, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, parts of themselves. I've had moments in, you know, in therapy myself, I've had moments where I've done parts work and like the most bizarre, you know, part of my brain is a, a unicorn or, you know, <laughs> have you done something similar? Like, yeah. You can almost, yeah, you can almost mm-hmm. personify like these parts of yourself, can't you? And it's really. It's the gremlin exercise is what we learned in my coach training program. So it's whatever that, you know, that voice in your head that's saying you're not good enough or like your mean girl voice kind of, we went through a whole exercise where we would name it, give it a personality, give it a face, give it an everything. And that was, that's usually my, for my listeners, this is, you're probably going to get this in the boundaries course. This is the first step with learning how to set boundaries is I have them do this gremlin exercise and I have them practice setting boundaries with their own self-talk with their own parts of themselves before we even worry about boundaries with anyone else. So I love that you learned it in a different area, but we're all passing on the same information and teaching people these tools together. Yeah. Yeah, It's a whole movement. We're changing the world. All of us are changing the world in our own teeny tiny little versions of it. Gremlins and Pams and Daves and and our bags of anxiety and a bag of, with a bag of anxiety. Absolutely. So did you, when you started asking yourself, what do I need? Did you face any feelings of guilt? Like a voice coming up saying what you need doesn't matter right now. Yeah, I did. Um, And I actually had a friend who was a therapist and, um, and she was like the voice in my ear at the start, I think, because I would run, sometimes you just need like, sometimes you just need that support 
cool and even though like I knew it just having that reminder and actually like after a while like that became my voice almost like what would she say now you know that mm-hmm. sometimes help can't it and you know you find this that's you know this is why we need coaches <laughs> this is why we need therapists and yeah it took me a while to kind of get my head around that um but it was when I started to see evidence so you know it looking back at myself if I'd have gone back to my um I don't know my early 20s version of me and said you're going to be on stage doing a TEDx in 10 years time I would have said are you completely mad like I can't even speak to five people um you know that was the level of my social anxiety stood up and spoken to five people let alone 23,000 or however many like watched on the live stream and everything so I think yeah it was those moments of like wow I did this um therefore like look at what you could achieve when you when you when you do that and how you felt and I um the day that I was floored with anxiety I went to the doctors and they prescribed me anti-anxiety medication and I just in that moment like made a split decision and I ripped the prescription up and I'm not I'm not saying there's not a place for medication there absolutely is but I just had this moment of like no I'm not going to block my emotions like why would these amazing emotions that have so much information and data um why would I why would I block them and actually through the work that I've done I've transformed my anxiety so yeah I think if I could go back to my younger self and say look look at what you achieved when you did this thing then yeah it is you 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 shouldn't need evidence but I think like having the evidence and having those you know for anyone listening like do this you know the small steps that you can take like celebrate those wins reflect back and look and think right where I set that boundary where I asked myself what I needed and I actually carried through on that thing what's my evidence what happened got this little um I've got this little um phrase on the screen of my phone um that's been there and every time like this actually happens I'm like there's evidence and it says the more I look after my body and the more fun I have the universe provides me with endless abundance I love that we just sometimes need these little reminders right because our brains are so wired to the negative and conditioned and um yeah the more we can kind of put our spotlight of focus towards the things we have achieved Mm -hmm. the small steps that we have taken that lead to the big things um I think is incredibly important yeah it's one step at a time because sometimes we I don't know. We'll get stuck with thinking about the the long-term goal, what we would, what we would like to have. We'd like to be the person with boundaries. We'd like to be the person who, you know, gets the respect and the attention and the, and the whatever, when we walk in a room, it's just automatically being looked at as that person, but it can seem like so far away when we look at where we are with crippling anxiety, maybe, or, um, depression or very introverted and just unsure of how to navigate social situations, no boundaries. It's such a huge gap between point A and point B. It is really important to just be like, okay, what do I need today? What is one thing I can do today to move the needle forward, even if it's just a little bit? And maybe it's driving a little bit longer than you usually drive or going to the gym without any music in. So you're actually hearing everything that's going around you and processing that stimulation without completely blocking it out. It's all, there are endless ways every day that we can take just a teeny tiny step forward. But I do agree with you. It is a huge thing at the end of the day, like celebrate what you did. 
even if you didn't drive eight hours, if you drove 15 minutes longer than you usually did, that's something that deserves to be celebrated and honored. And like, you're a badass for that. You really are because you did something that you were afraid of. One of the questions I use in my clients is what could you do that's like 1% more than you are now? I think when like when people hear that, they think, oh, 1%, but it makes so much difference. Like you say, like that little small incremental step, like I, you know, maybe when I was, actually, I probably did, um, when I was 23, you know, I, I made that little 1% led me to when I was in my early 30s. I don't know my exact age when I did my TEDx, but, you know, I doing a TEDx. Um, but it was, you know, probably that small, like, butterfly wing flap, but, you know, in my early 20s and having mm-hmm. that little nudge in the right direction that, that led to that that point and the smaller things really do lead to the bigger thing especially where habits are concerned you know those small incremental steps or that small extra one minute that you might meditate makes a huge difference yep it's don't get discouraged my listeners don't get discouraged if all you can handle today is a half a percent more or one percent more than what you did yesterday and also don't feel bad if you can't even hit the same spot that you were yesterday because progress is not linear. <laughs> it's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. And sometimes you'll be exhausted and, and burned out and you tried to set a boundary and it's not working out so well. And then, you know, next week though, you might do something that you totally never imagined that you were capable of doing. It's always just holding a lot of open space, a lot of compassion, a lot of forgiveness for yourself and your journey. Um, and realizing that you matter. It's not always just giving to other people and taking care of other people. Your life is yours to take care of. Really like being selfish is not selfish. Just look at Gemma. Look at all the things that she's accomplished. (laughs) Like to go from being early twenties and not even being able to speak in front of five people to doing a TEDx talk. That's just, that's so incredible. Did you always, I want to, I really want to know, did you always want to do a TED talk? Like what, what point did you go, I'm going to do that. I feel called to do that. So what it was for me was not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life, um, which I think we all can resonate with. And um, I, when I was in my corporate job and I was studying at the same time and I, um, I saw these two really like bubbly, enthusiastic people come into the room one day um, who were teaching us these systems and I started to chat to them and they were like yeah like we we run workshops all the time this is our job and I looked at them and I was like that is my dream job I want to teach I really want to teach others like that's what I want to do I wish I had even one percent of their confidence because right now I'm an anxious mess and I can't mm-hmm. even like have a conversation with them let alone train a whole room full of people and that was what I said I said that's what I want to be I want to teach um and so like I can continued that um, and kind of like put myself in quite uncomfortable situations um, as I kind of regulated my nervous system and I got to to where they were. And that was my dream job. Like I was a um, I was a leadership consultant um, in learning and development. I trained all the leaders across the organization. I trained them in coaching. I trained them in psychology um, and that wasn't enough for me so I once I kind of did that I thought no do you know what there's more there's more to this life I want to be my own boss um so I took the leap out of corporate and around that time the TEDx application just happened 
just happened really and it would just felt like the next logical step um I'd been asked to speak at some conferences as well and it was just like okay let's just see like let's test the boundaries and see um if I can take this next leap out and mm-hmm. just I say just like it was a huge deal at the time like training um 50 people in a room in corporate to actually speaking on stage it was like the next logical step and like you know it was like as an introvert as an HSP like I was so passionate about especially when I learned positive psychology I was so passionate about getting that message out into the world and I felt like I wasn't heard um so yeah it was like it was deeply like ingrained in me passionately that I wanted to get that message out um and it didn't matter how I got there, <laughs> like I would find a way. So, you know, that was my main kind of motivation for overcoming the anxiety was that I wanted to teach. And I had this like this message within me that needed to be shared. Have you been have you done any other speaking events as big as the TEDx? No. So um, I spoke at a couple of conferences afterwards, which were, you know, hundreds rather than thousands um and then the pandemic hit (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I spoke at I spoke at a few online events but yeah nothing as big as TEDx although I keep getting like this nudge to apply for another one so I'll keep you all in a loop with that one yes (laughs) yes definitely keep us in the loop HSP specifically that's kind of on my on my agenda next I love it I love it do you host retreats what other what other teaching you, you've been, you were called to be a teacher. So besides working with clients one-on-one and doing some of these conferences and these speaking opportunities, what else do you do with your work that gives you an opportunity and a platform for, for teaching at this point? So I teach workshops and um, I teach um, free workshops to, um, to my community. Um, this was on Facebook, but as of, I can officially announce as of next week, I'm actually leaving Facebook. I'm taking another big leap. Um, Yay! congratulations thank you so I'll be teaching on Instagram I'll be teaching on zoom um I teach on zoom in my programs um my quantum alignment program that's running um soon I'm teaching there um and what was the other thing I just thought of my podcast obviously that's sort of a teaching experience um and retreats that was it you mentioned retreats yeah so in 2020 I kind of um I realized that as an HSP entrepreneur, I needed something much more gentle and nourishing. Um, And what I was seeing at the time was like, come to this challenge, come to this thing, do this strategy. Challenge and strategy never, ever resonated with me, ever. And when I found out that these are words that were used in war times and they were only created in the war, like they're never, they're never words in our vocab before, I thought I need to do something different because there was nothing there for me as an HSP to get support with my business. Um, So I started to set up online retreats um, in a space where people could come and connect, um, but feel really nourished and Mm -hmm. retreat from the, you know, from the busyness and um, just connect with like-minded people. So yeah, so I run online retreats um, a few times a year as well. as a space for people to come and connect, be them in that safe space in their own homes. And there may be some in-person ones happening, but um, they're not quite organized yet, but um, that's also a possibility um, to do those too at some point. What boundaries serve you in being able to hold space for people? 
in that kind of environment. So this is something I had a conversation with a friend yesterday. Um, it's even things like getting my grocery shopping delivered rather than go to the shop. Like, could be things like that. Um, I'm very, very strict with my time. I only do calls on certain days. I only work with certain clients. Um, clients have an application process to work with me. Um, and I'm like really really careful of my energy as well so you know I won't um if I've got a day where I've got like a retreat or I'm you know I'm delivering something and I'm I'm giving energy um then I will be really careful around that with my you know with my boundaries just like boundaries around it like time and energy and you know um but also like small things like maybe I need to set a boundary with the cat actually like but you know small could be small things like where I work and like then sort of um it's like kind of what the word is then sort of like peppering it with self-care throughout mm-hmm. so I know that if I'm going to be um quite visible and showing up and, and giving a lot of my energy um like I did a three-day online um event a couple of weeks ago and um like knowing I was doing that you know I had my cup of tea I had my blanket um I you know it's really easy to sort of run something like that and then feel like you have to be like really online and comments and you know show up and be visible but it was like no do you know what what I need right now is a walk and I live near the sea so walking down to the sea um and then and then coming back later and then catching up and being there for the community it's just making those little little you know for some it's bigger boundaries but you know little boundaries like okay this is the day I do calls this is the day I do um, I'm gonna make sure I get that walk in that's really important get that movement in get my dance dance is like part of my routine get my nutrition right you know my morning smoothie in um yeah there's like so many facets of it but some are like really little things and some are like quite big big boundaries that I'll that'll set the flavor Absolutely. And it's just another example of the little things adding up to a big impact. It's the little things in your routine. It's the little things you do for yourself that really add up to creating um, a supportive, uplifting environment, energetically fulfilling, whether it's your career or your romantic relationships or your platonic relationships or your work or your fitness or your whatever. It's the little things that you do that really matter and working to redefine the idea of success working to redefine the idea of giving giving doesn't have to equal sacrifice giving can be mutually beneficial and it all comes from a place of energetic overflow and on that note we are wrapping up so Gemma go ahead and tell us where's the best place you said you're leaving Facebook next week officially so where is going to be the best place for people to connect with you if they resonate with your message if they want to work with you tell tell the humans awesome so um I'm I I am Gemma Sandwell on Instagram. That's probably the best place to find me. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is just Gemma Sandwell. And I have a podcast, which is the Authentic You podcast. And Sarah, I'd love to have you on that as a guest as well, if you'd like to do a podcast swap. Of course, absolutely. I would love to. (laughs) (laughs) Would love to. And um, guys, I will go ahead and drop all of those links below in the description. As always, links to connect with her. If her message resonated, if you want to work with her, if you're an entrepreneur, if you want to attend these online retreats, be on her podcast. She's an amazing person doing a lot of really, really important work in this world. And I encourage you to reach out and connect with her if you feel called. Gemma, 
If there's one thing that you could say to the humans today, one tip, one intuitive nudge, the universe has given you one lesson. What do you have to say to them today? So what's coming through is habits. So even if you have 30 seconds while your coffee is brewing in the morning to meditate or to journal or to dance, like what habits do you have already that you could tap into um, just to up your self-care practice? That is what is coming through me right now. Normally I say meditate, 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 but I mm-hmm. feel like it's general self-care habits coming through today. Beautiful. Beautiful. You heard it guys this week, try and find that extra 30 seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever to ask yourself what you need and implement just a little bit more self-care into your routine. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the audacity Academy. And I will see you guys next week.